Before the start of this episode, I wanted to tell you about another podcast that I am producing for my friend Aisha. It's called the Botanica Podcast. I wonder what she thinks of that pronunciation. But anyway, <laughs> uh, here's a trailer for the podcast. You can subscribe to it uh, anywhere you get your podcast, just like ours. Here it is. Welcome to the Botanica Podcast. This is your host, Aisha. Listen in as we discuss topics like love, health, sex, relationships, and even alternative medicine. We stream live every Sunday at 8 on Facebook. Listen to the Botanica Podcast on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to stop by our Botanica every Sunday. We have a lot to share. So you've got a podcast or an idea for a podcast or no ideas yet, but you want to start a podcast. Whatever stage you're at, G Media Solutions is here to help you take your podcast to the next level. We are a podcast production company based in Atlanta that specializes in audio recording, video live streaming, and all the elements you need to make your podcast thrive. To fulfill your podcast needs, contact us on Facebook and or Instagram at G Media ATL. Okay, okay, okay. One more thing before the episode starts. I want to give a shout out to Lori. She's been a guest on our podcast before, and she wanted me to let y'all know that April 23rd is Record Store Day. Go to your favorite record store, see what kind of activities they have going on. But specifically, if you live in the Atlanta area, check out Fantasy Land Records, 360 Far Road, Northeast in Atlanta. That's in the Buckhead area. Come check them out. They have a huge selection of 45s from the 50s through the 80s, vinyl, UCDs, cassettes, any genre you can think of. Check them out for record store day, free parking. So you don't have to worry about that. So uh, check those guys out. The team at Fantasyland. Special thanks to Mark. Tell them Greg from By the Time You Hear This Podcast sent you. And now, finally, We'll start the episode. By the time you hear this podcast, you'll have the look. Welcome to By the Time You Hear This Podcast. I'm Greg. I'm Ben. 
and welcome to episode 177 right in heaven i don't know i never know you always seem to know i sometimes i get it wrong let's uh let's let's check the scoreboard <laughs> this is actually episode 176 oh <laughs> episode 176 um Thank you, everyone who's listened and downloaded so far. Um, we appreciate it. Yes. And uh, quick announcement: we have created, well, Ben has created a Discord channel, <laughs> of course. So um, for anyone who wants to uh, interact with us on the Discord, uh, we'll include the link or the name in the show notes. Yeah, get down so, the show notes. So you'll be able to find it. And uh, join us for various conversations about music, a little sports, um, or if you just want to post memes. We yeah. enjoy memes. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, look forward to that. Um, so uh, it's been a couple been a couple weeks since we did an episode. Uh, the, la- the last episode we did was during the Grammys. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were being handed out. Uh, as we were recording. Um, so, uh, to start with it, the album of the year went to John Batiste. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Any, any, uh, opinion on that? I checked it out. I mean, I, I'm, I'm not terribly familiar with John Batiste, so I checked it out and it's not necessarily my cup of tea. Um, I don't know why, but every time I think of song of the year, album of the year, stuff like that, I think of things that are a little bit more somber and more mellow. And this is a this is a pretty upbeat, danceable album. You know, a lot of funk influences, jazz influences. Um, so I mean, like I said, just not my cup of tea. But you know, he seems like uh, yeah, he's um, comes from a long line of musicians yeah. in, from New Orleans. Um, and he just he seems to have an upbeat attitude all the time. Yeah. Uh, for those who watched uh, he's the, the late leader, show with right? Stephen Colbert, yeah. he's the band leader, and he got the position. He was like twenty eight. So, <laughs> how old is he now? Because he's like thirty five. Yeah, he doesn't seem that old. So, <laughs> um, so uh, um, good at 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 as a musician. Like, I think he plays, along with the piano, I think he plays the drums. Um, maybe so a brass instrument. I just feel like, yeah. okay, you're from New Orleans. You got to at least do that. Play yeah, one I was of them. definitely <laughs> off with the type of music. Like, when I saw it, I was like, oh, this is probably, like, Neo Soul or something like that. Uh, hit the music I heard before that, like, the song that, like, I, I was, like, I had heard mostly from the album was Freedom. And, but there were a couple of songs that could be um, uh, could be R and B, but kind of more a little more poppy, mm-hmm. kind of like a '60s sound that they tried to update. Yeah, I'll probably give it a listen. I kind of lumped them in with Leon Bridges, but they're not exactly. Oh, I love. I like. I say I really like Leon. Not Bridges. exactly the same. <laughs> yeah, Leon Bridges is good. When he, when is he gonna win Album of the Year? Leon Bridges is great. It won't be for this last album, which is really good. Gold Digger Sound mm-hmm. is really good. Uh, was that did that have one of the songs that was your earworm? 
Yeah, that's okay. Steam on it. Yeah, because yeah, I I'd heard I'd heard of him before. I want to think he showed up on like a baseball game or something. Was he's I I like his sound. He's yeah, Leon Bridges is legit. Um, I think he's he'll be on he'll be on tour this summer. I think with Little Dragon. Oh, nice. Um, but anyway, didn't you see them in concert too, Little Dragon? Yeah, okay, saw them at Variety so. Playhouse. That's what I thought. Um. So, John Batiste wins album of the year. Song and record of the year went to leave the door open. Any thoughts on that? <laughs> I know that the everyone loves that song. It's not a bad song. Um, it it's the safe choice. <laughs> it's the safe choice. And who's associated with safe choices? Bruno Mars. Which is funny because he co-wrote back in whatever year it was. You know, Fu, which yeah. was not the safe choice. Um, I think they gave it to um, Lady A that <laughs> year. <laughs> I think that's who they gave it to that year, which was this the safe choice. But yeah, just I thought that they were the safe choice. I'm trying to get to the nominees because I can't remember who they are. I definitely thought though it was going to go to Olivia Rodrigo, but I think she is about to get the. I think she's going to get the um, Ariana Grande treatment, where they just put her in the. Uh, they're gonna keep putting her in the in the um pop categories and just she'll dominate those she'll win there, but they probably just see her as too young. To so be the, the other nominees for this is record of the year, driver's license, freedom, happier than ever. Um, I can I get a kick out of you. I still have faith in you by ABBA. I don't know how they snuck in there, but. <laughs> Uh, Kiss Me More by Doja Cat and SZA, Montero, Peaches, and Right on Time by Brandy Carlisle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then for Song of the Year, um, what's different than what I mentioned before? Yeah, there's not many. Uh, Bad Habits by Ed Sheeran, A Beautiful Noise by Alicia Keys and Brandy Carlisle, Fight for You by Her, which won an Oscar. Um, yeah, I probably would have given and everything else we've already mentioned. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if I probably would have given Montero record of the year. Um, that's a wonderfully produced song and probably um, driver's license or, for a song, but uh, over Montero and probably because of the Kanye West Association, mm-hmm. um, industry baby, I thought could have in yeah. either of these categories. Well, I mean, like, that's, I think it's a solid pop album. I know, he, you know, he, he was a rapper, but, like, he's kind of, he's given off serious B.O.B. vibes to me, where he can just kind of go wherever he feels like he needs to go. Oh, I thought you were going to say he's corporate. Oh, no, no, no. I think he's just, I think he's just creative. Like, he, I think he just likes music. And unfortunately... And I'm I'm glad he's been successful because a lot of times if you just like music, record companies look at you and like, bro, we don't know where to put you. Like I think because he had that huge, he had Old Town Road and proved he could do it on his own. He was given that freedom to like, well, clearly you know what you're doing. But a lot of artists it's just like, yeah, bro, you you gotta stay in a lane. So I'm happy. And I for think him. what's helped, and which rap artist, well, you see it with with pop artists, rap artists don't do so much 
is stick with the same producer. Yeah. He's uh Dick Take a Day Trip. What who the, I, the his producer? Oh, I, I don't know his name. The name of his producer. As I hear the 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 tag, mm-hmm. um, I think it's I think it's Take a Day Trip. I don't know if it's one person or a team, but either way, mm-hmm. they produce most of his stuff thus far. Um. So it's, and I think like when you stick with a producer. Um, I think that can help. Uh, that that should help. Uh, uh, someone who has hip hop leanings, at least, if if mm-hmm. you don't want to say he's a rapper outright, but you know, is uh, or someone take someone like Ray Shrimmer, Mike Will made it does all their, all, does all their stuff, you know. Um, so, uh, and you write on that name, take a day trip. I think that's what. I think that helps. Mm-hmm. That you know, some people are all are all over the place with with their with the producers, and that started with Nas's Illmatic. Um, well, not started there, but popularized you, definitely. Yeah, you realize, oh, he had like five different <laughs> five different producers mm-hmm. on this. Uh, but yeah, okay, best new artist, Olivia Rodrigo. <laughs> um, Ooh, hope she doesn't get evanescenced or Bruce Hornsby'd or. Uh, even though like Shelby Lind, she might she might be in the Billie Eilish category, and which still whatever she puts out, it will get nominated, mm-hmm. and she might win a couple more. So she'll get she'll get nominated more, you know, whenever she puts things out. Well, I'll be curious to hear what else she does. Um, I think this is a strong debut. Can you follow it up? Yeah, that's you the, the that's right people the thing. around you, you know. And if it's not exactly like the poppiest of the pop Mm -hmm. what can you do to follow it up like does she become more poppy does she like try to get like shoehorned into that because i mean Billie eilish basically went more experimental like that neck her second album yeah it was i mean she's kind of going the way of um of lord lord walked so Billie eilish could run i'm i'm almost positive of it even um, though Lord's second album was also nominated for album of the yeah. year, yeah, well, because I even mean, even though like I don't know any song from it. Lord gets a lot. Of, Lord was getting a lot of respect back then. Yeah, um, yeah, her and um, oh god, Lana Del Rey as well. Who? Yeah, her, Lord Lana Del Rey. Those those two artists really at the beginning of the 2010s into 2000s paved the way for these types of female artists. Um, and then I think Taylor Swift, I hate to admit it, kind of blew the doors open when she came out with 1989, which is basically her best Lord <laughs> Lana Del Rey impression. And everyone said, yeah, Liz. but yeah. Um, but yeah, I'll be curious to see what happens. What happens? Um, interestingly enough, was Lord never nominated for Best New Artist? I don't know. I don't think she was. Yeah. She never was. Huh. Anyway. <laughs> um That's funny. So uh did any other categories stick out to you? I'm not I'm not gonna lie, I not really, because I I didn't look at them. Best pop solo performance was the one that um I thought would have been Ariana Grande's um 
um, to lose with positions, which I think is her best song in a while, but it, it didn't win. Um, shout out to Doja Cat who got the one for Kiss Me More. Apparently she was acting a fool at the Grammys. Um, well, yeah, I think like, uh, I don't know if she won more than one, but the one that she won, mm-hmm. SZA's just standing up there by herself. <laughs> and it's kind of awkward because like she hurt her foot, so she's on crutches. <laughs> And Doja Cat was in the bathroom, so you saw her sprinting to the stage. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, of course, shout out to the Foo Fighters, who won for Best Rock Performance after Taylor Hawkins died. So, posthumous Grammy. I don't think this is their first, but, you know, that's, you know, I'm pretty sure that was an emotional. I don't think they attended. but They didn't. Um, yeah. Um, nothing really stuck out to me either. Um uh, looking at some of the other uh, categories that uh, normally aren't ca- uh, televised, um, the United States versus Billie Holiday won for best compilation soundtrack for visual media. Heard it here first, folks. Um, <laughs> I know on an episode I talked about I could be a music supervisor. I, <laughs> I mean, you've been doing it since college. Yeah. I mean, so. <laughs> And I'm sure you'd be better than, um, was it Zach Braff? Yeah. Man, the most overrated mixtape of all time is the Garden State soundtrack. (laughs) I feel like somebody, if this this were a radio station and they were listening to us live, somebody would meet you outside to fight you over there. (laughs) (laughs) What do you mean? (laughs) Someone my age, I don't think anyone under the... And I think it was such a short period of time that people were obsessed with that soundtrack in that movie. Mm-hmm. I don't think anyone under the age of 35 has seen it. Well, you know, on DistroKid, there's a video. They have these videos where you can insert your music into it. And, like, it's a, a video of, of something. So, like, there's one of, and I'm pretty sure this is from Garden State, where he's sitting with Natalie Portman and he gives her his headphones. Yeah. Yeah, and it'll play your song, and she's like, and then she takes off. She's like, oh, okay, that's pretty good. Yeah, that's a thing. That's a video on there. And I was like, how many people know of the people who are using DistroKid? They're like, yeah, some guy in the chick who plays Thor's girlfriend. Is- <laughs> <laughs> Not even the guy from Scrubs, just some guy. Some guy in Thor's <laughs> girlfriend, Jane Foster. That's what they refer to her. <laughs> so I guess it's kind of cool. I don't know. Oh, uh, okay. Um, um, nothing else really stuck out to me either. Uh, you know, I think the, but I think we talked about this before, you know, are the Grammys trying to make a statement with some of the awards they give out? I think they were making a statement with John Batiste with the subject matter of the, of the album Mm-hmm. about the Black Lives Matter movement, mm-hmm. about the pandemic, about um, where America is right now. So you can look back at 2022, 2021. And yeah, get it's an al- it'll be an album of its time. Mm-hmm. I think that's what they might have been thinking uh, when whoever voted for them. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it wasn't unanimous or anything like that, but uh, I think that, that might have been what the line of thinking for uh for uh for that award 
he also won for best music video for Freedom. I I thought this was funny just because I know we touched on this album briefly as I'm just going through. Um, winner of best roots gospel album, my oh, savior Underwood. Underwood, some the hymnals, <laughs> blessed assurance, nothing but the blood of Jesus. <laughs> Lead devotion. How service. great thou art, <laughs> the old rugged cross. <laughs> I surrender all. Amazing. Yeah, this is. These are hymnals, man. <laughs> oh, these are hymnals. If I ever seen them, boy, people have been singing these since the beginning of time. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because you could literally you could literally take this to any church black or white in the country and they're gonna know all of these these are standards people <laughs> that's why like you know some people like it's the different it's the you know the differences and the similarities yeah you take this to any church black or white in the country they're gonna know this is and that, that just always makes me laugh <laughs> oh god Man. Um, I didn't even okay. tell people that I based I did a song for my dad's church for Easter and I, I was trying to think of something to do and I found um, a Johnny Cash version of At the Cross and no one knows I based it off of that <laughs> all they know is everyone knows the song but it's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that just makes me laugh it just makes me laugh um, so yeah, not by the Grammys. That was so long ago. Uh, congrats to all the winners, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Your time um, in, the sh- in the sun. <laughs> um, all right. So Ben, you brought this to, you, you brought this up, uh, the lawsuit regarding the song dancing with the stranger. Yes. Let me, cause I had a, um, it was a TikTok video because that's where I get my news from now. But <laughs> so, uh, but there is a lawsuit, and let's be if I mean if we can be so. You heard the song, Greg. What do you think? I don't. I don't think there's a case. Yeah, there. I mean, they have a line in common, yeah. right? So this is the song uh, "Dancing with a Stranger." Y'all, that we'll start playing. Sam Smith and Armani. Song's been out for a minute too. Yeah, I think this was 2020. Oh no, this was this was Sam Smith's album, which I didn't know he had a third album. Yeah. But anyway, well, he said he didn't care for Michael Jackson, and he got canceled. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and uh, who does the other song? Um, let's see here. So. They're being sued by Jordan Vincent, Christopher Miranda, and Roscoe Bonlio, um, who say it copied their, two, their 2015 song of the same name. Um, doesn't say who actually did it. it. They're just saying that according to them, the hook slash chorus in both songs, the most significant part and artistic aspect of these works contain the lyrics Dance with a Stranger. It's, it's... They're not similar. Let me see if I can get the name. Because it doesn't actually say. No, that's not it. That's a cover. Sounds like a good cover. That is a cover. Yes, it sounds like a good cover. <laughs> Let me see if I can pull this video up on the talk. 
That's what the cool kids call it. <laughs> yeah, that's how that's how little I thought it. But I, I mean, it brings up a bigger issue as I as I find this. It brings up a bigger issue here of um of a point that Aaron, not Aaron Sheeran, Ed Sheeran. Um, let's see here. Jordan Vincent. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. He's the name of the, is, he's the artist, I guess, on the song. Yeah, Jordan Vincent, Dancing with Strangers. So Jordan, Okay, this yeah. is, this is Dancing with Strangers, Jordan Vincent. <clears throat> oh, man, I hear the simulators right off the bat. This song came out in 2018. Or was it 2015? So they said 2015, but I'm seeing in some other sources that it was released in 2017. And then I, I it might have been, they maybe read, read, wrote it in. Yeah, that's where they're, that's so soft. All right, look. Um, yeah. It, to, to paraphrase Jay-Z, uh, you made it a hot line. I made it a hot song. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I mean, like, this is the point that I've been making for years. Like, this is getting out of hand. Back, you know, back when what, the Marvin Gaye estate, Marvin Gaye estate did it. Back when Tom Petty did it. Like, it's Ed Sheeran said it. Twelve chords. That's what you got to work with. Um, it's getting to the point now where people are just doing it in hopes that you'll settle. Because a settlement, you're getting paid, you know, like for a song that no one knows, like you said, you made it a a hotline, I made it a hot song, like a song that nobody knows that failed, you're latching on and you're hoping that you can get something and that, you know, if enough people do it, the artist will just settle and you get a nice little payday. It's getting out of hand. Like it, it, at first it was cute. Actually, it wasn't cute, but you know, at first it was a nuisance, and now it's getting to where it's just like, what are we? Are we? Is this what we're doing? Like, I mean, geez, like, should I just go out and write a whole bunch of songs, and then as soon as one comes out with a word, I'm like, ah, I'm suing. Like, the I came up with that. Yep, yeah. I, yeah, I wrote the. That's in my family. My family owns the word the. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's getting frustrating. Like when you have a song like this that's not even close. Yeah. Like, it's not even close, man. Like, you got to come with something bigger than that. Yeah, uh, I don't think there's a case here. Um, funny, Wouldn't it be funny if this is the one? Like, this is the one. <laughs> like, they're just like, yeah, man, we're just sick of, you know, the big guy beating up on the little guy. We're going to award you damages and punitive damages. And, <laughs> and they just bankrupt Sam Smith. So the judge has, the, the judge is a, a Michael Jackson fan. Oh. I remember. I know what you said. I heard what you said. I saw that video. I saw, <laughs> I saw it. <laughs> you disrespected the king of pop. <laughs> I could see that happening. That'd be funny. Um, this all it's all crazy over there yeah. in England, in good old England. <laughs> so um, I don't know if we talked about it in a previous episode, but Snoop Dogg has. Purchased Death Row. 
he is the owner, the president, and all that. Uh, but if you want to listen to the chronic, it ain't there, y'all. That's so sad. You can't stream the chronic. First, uh, Joni Mitchell. Now this. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> uh, you can stream. Nope. Uh, you want to stream uh, what doggy style? Nah, it ain't there. Uh, you want to stream um, <clears throat> what two what two of America's most wanted? <laughs> yeah, murder was the case. Ain't nothing but a gangster party, y'all. Nah, I mean you could stream still. Uh, you can stream two part. You can stream me against the world. How come they're no? Root- that was an interscope. That wasn't on death row. How come the root refers to him as the central seduction artist? That's what we remember him for, y'all. Uh, <laughs> oh God, that might be his worst song. <laughs> that was that was the experimental, uh, like yeah, what EDM. Yeah, he's singing electronic phase, singing with auto tune. <laughs> yeah, like that's the song we want to. Okay. All Eyes on Me is, I, I guess, Interscope uh, bought some of Tupac's catalog. Jimmy Iovine, save us! I think all I think all the Tupac stuff is under Interscope, so they it's were all like, still there. They're like, nah, bro, you can't, you can't do that. You can't take him off. He he makes too much money for us. <laughs> Let's see if any of them are. Uh... So how did he? How did he make this purchase? Like, I guess. Did Suge Knight sell it to him, or did Suge Knight lose this a long time ago, and I just didn't know about this? Uh, I think, like, yeah. Well, it had been in, I think it was, like, bankrupt or, or something. Or it was in, it was put into. Oh, Division of Hasbro. I remember that. Oh, yeah. The, yeah. The, they bought it. And then it got sold to the Blackstone Group. He bought it from. MNRK Music Group in February 22, intending to revive the label. But what is his plan? In 2022, to take music off streaming? It's a bad start, man. It's a bad start. <laughs> Who's going to sign with you? So, like, so what's our streaming um, philosophy? Man, we ain't got one. Okay, I'm going to pass. I'm going to pass. <laughs> like, who wants to be on a. What is he? Is he gonna be like the the CEO of Viacom? We're gonna lean heavily into physical media. <laughs> we really think it's making a comeback. <laughs> uh, yeah. He. Uh, well, the sale itself did not include rights to the catalog. Well, to the entire catalog. Okay. But it was reporting a deal. It was nearing nearing a deal to acquire the catalog of himself and other Death Row artists, and. He released his most recent album on Death Row. So his current album is on there. And it's not streaming either? Is it? Because that'd be real messed up if it's like streaming for for me, but not for thee. <laughs> <laughs> uh, his recent album is called B-O-D-R. What does that mean? B-O-D-R, maybe. Oh, back on death row. Okay. So that is streaming. That is streaming. Way to go, Snoop. Okay. I don't. 
I don't know what's going on. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so he took all the other stuff down. I I think it's my, it has to be because he doesn't actually have the rights to the full catalogs yet. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, he's got some songs with Battle Cat on here. DJ Battle Cat. Okay, okay. I might check it out. I like DJ Battle Cat. So, uh, okay, Death Row filed for bankruptcy in 2006. Yeah. Okay. All right, now I see it. So that's why it was whatever. Um, Suge Knight realized he wasn't making money off of Dr. Dre anymore. So they weren't making any money. <laughs> um. So I don't I don't know what's going to I I think it's a it's a it's a, a royalties rights thing uh, because this was it was in if it's in bankruptcy and Interscope has control of the catalog or whoever it was then it's on them to allow it to well it was on death row yeah and now it can go back. So here's what he says. This is what the, the headline from Billboard says. The rapper says the services don't pay and that he's planning on his own streaming platform for the label. And I can't stress enough why that's a bad idea. A, talk to Jay-Z and crew and ask them how well Title's doing. It's doing so well that they had to fake numbers. <laughs> but they're also looking at it as... Um... Like Kanye put out Donda Two on the the what's the thing called the um, stem player? Yeah, yeah. Someone else just did that. I'm seeing a lot of stuff on stem player now, like yes. even old music. Some somebody just put their new album on the stem player. Uh, I can't remember who it was, but um, uh, I think people are trying to do it on their on their own. I mean, you see all these, uh. For stream all these streaming services, as far as like, you know, outside of Netflix, the Pluto TV and Tubi and and that's why I think ESPN Plus. Yeah, and I I keep telling people that like because everyone's cheering the downfall of Netflix, and I'm like I don't think you all realize like this is bad for the consumer that all these streaming all these um. IP holders are taking their property from Netflix because all that means is we're going to, instead of having one centralized place where we could go get everything, there's going to be 10 places. And if you want to watch the office, now you got to get Peacock. If you don't watch the Marvel shows, now you got to get Disney plus. If you don't watch anything DC, you got to get HBO max. If you want to watch anything on, um, if you don't watch like the new South park movie stuff, you got to get paramount. Like you got all these different services if you want to watch Power, you got to get Stars. It's like, come on, man! Like, <laughs> like people don't realize. Like, I mean, Power is on Stars, or, but you mean their own their app? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, it's yeah. one of those things where it's just like, we're we're gonna get right back to where we were with cable. Where we we were upset, like cable's too expensive, and now everyone's like, oh, I've got five streaming services that equals cable. Like, that's the amount you were paying. Only you're not in contracts. You like, said you were cutting the cord. Yeah. So I don't see why people, if you know, if if we if we all banded together, we could make this stop. But you know, eventually, you know, people companies get greedy and they see that 
Netflix was, they were like, Netflix is making all this money. And we own the content. If you just take the content back, we can make our own streaming service. And then we'll be in the money. And it's just like, you know, so, someone's going to fail. I think Netflix will be fine. I know everyone thinks that Netflix is going to fail. I think they're going to be fine. They're the OG. They've been there for a while. Just like people thought Apple was, oh, there's another iPhone killer. There's there's no such thing as an iPhone killer. I don't like iPhones, but there's no such thing as an iPhone killer. Like, if the iPhone hasn't died yet, we're on, we're on 13. <laughs> mm-hmm. if, if it's gonna, it's just not. It'll be competitors. Oh, yes. But it's not going to be iPhone killers. It's, it was. Is it really competition, though? Mm-hmm. It depends on who you ask. Samsung has, is gaining market share. Because everyone says, you know, Apple versus Android, when really Android is on, like, 100 different phones. It's really, the, the marketplace is really Apple versus Samsung. That, that's what it is right now. All and right. and then Google Pixel tries to come in and get a little bit, but it is basically Apple versus Samsung. It's Does anyone still have race. a Windows? Not that I know of. No, that'd be although they make um they make a full a full tablet. They make yeah. one. I, I've seen those. and it. I I think it looks better than the Samsung one, honestly. But that's just me. But I'm still not ready to get one. Oh wait, Windows has the foldable phone. They have one or yeah. tablet. Yeah. Okay, I've seen the Samsung one. Yeah, Samsung has one, and so does Windows. And of course, the whole the joke is that in a few years, Apple will make one, and everyone will be like, "Oh, look what Apple did!" Like it'll, you know, they just it's like they don't notice that other thing. <laughs> I just like, like if you if you need a a tablet that folds, I don't know you 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 need to reprioritize your life. I I'll just put it this way. You need you need to put your 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 tablet in your pocket that bad. If they can get rid of the dent in the screen, I'm there. I've been waiting for this for a while. Shout out to Abe who I know is is an early adopter as well. We've been waiting for this for a while. <laughs> and as soon as they can get rid of the dent, baby, we are in. I think I feel like people just long for the days where you could hang up on somebody on your cell phone by just closing it. <laughs> well, that's what they got that the other fold, like the smaller one, yeah. where you can just boom. It's like that's a flip phone with extra parts. Yeah. Like that's just a nice. They flip want phone. they want the flip phone action with the tablet. Like you know what? I'll talk to you later. Smash. Like. <laughs> um, let's get to uh, well, one more story before we get to the uh, the cover song of the week. Um. So you brought this up. Uh, there was a video on TikTok you saw about Coachella. <laughs> manufacturing fun or manufacturing, uh, you know, a good time. I mean, I mean. so have you seen any any pictures or videos from Coachella? I've seen only a couple of pictures. Uh, I feel like a creep for following Chloe Bailey on Instagram. I don't know who that is, I don't think. Chloe and Hallie. Oh, oh, that's her last name? Yeah. Okay. I I mean I knew she had a last name, but it's not something I ever thought about. What is she really young or something? She's like twenty three. Ah, she's fine. So what, <laughs> did she go to? Um, well, she went to Coachella. Or did they uh, perform? Did she perform at Coachella? She might have performed, but I know she was there. Okay. Based on the post that I saw. Okay. Um, I so I've seen a couple of her pictures. Uh. <clears throat> There's another. There was somebody else that I followed on Instagram that they were they were there as well. Um, oh yeah, Masego performed there. Okay. And 
it was somebody else. I can't remember. But I've, I've seen a, a few pictures. Yeah. So there's a video that I saw um, that talked about just, you know, the the fact that Coachella and other events like it have really just kind of become a way to manufacture fun is what she called it. And the focus, of course, is no longer on the music, which is kind of what I latched on to. And, you know, thinking about it, I mean, it does kind of seem like a fashion show and it's expensive as hell to go. You know, it's like, you know, it's expensive to the point of where it's like, can an average music fan even afford to go and be comfortable anymore? Um, and it just made me think like, you know, the focus is the focus even really music anymore. Do people go there to hear a performance or do they go to be seen? You know, do they go to make content? I even heard somebody refer to it as the influencer Olympics. Like I'd almost <laughs> like if they weren't making money hand over fist, maybe they'd be insulted. But like when you're making that much money, yeah, sure, call it the hell you want. Like I don't care. <laughs> yeah, sure, influencer Olympics. Yeah, two thousand dollars, please. Like, <laughs> um, but I do have to wonder that because I I don't even know who was who was performing this year. All I saw were pictures. I saw tons I know of pictures. Kanye backed out. And, yeah, that was the only thing I knew about it, really. Yeah, just, I don't know. And maybe it's a we're getting old type thing, but it really does feel like it is it is more about the being seen versus the music. And that makes me sad because it started out as a music. It's all about the music. Um, but then once money gets involved and you figure out that um, you can squeeze money out of a bunch of rich kids with nothing better to do than to drop a couple grand on a tent or a cabana or, you know, it just doesn't feel organic anymore. Um, yeah, I, I agree with the manufacturing fun. Um, yeah, there's there's nothing organic about it. Mm-mm. And, you know, I there was one, um, I think it was Cody Co. who I, uh, I subscribed to his YouTube channel. For, like, years, that was a running joke about, like, are you going to Coachella? <laughs> like, he was just making Coachella jokes all the time. Uh, try to understand what the what the big deal is. Um, yeah, I don't get yeah. it. I don't. I don't get it. I mean, but then again, I don't think you or I are festival people, though. I mean, no. we're just. I mean, I've I've been to so called festivals here in Atlanta, where it's like you know, someone's performing and it's general admission, and you just go down there's a bunch of people. It's like a festival crowd. But like, I've never been to Music Midtown, which was a huge festival here for years. Although there were always artists there I wanted to see, you know, but I just, I never went. But I don't know. It's just I, the appeal there is I don't see the appeal. And then just to see, you know, on top of that, what it's become, you know, it's just kind of disheartening. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm not I. You know, I I used to feel like I was missing out on something, mm-hmm. but I'm not. Yeah, we're not. I don't think we are. Yeah. Um. So let's get to uh, the cover song of the week. And I suppose it is my selection. And um, is a cover of a Stevie Wonder song. Oh, nice. Okay. Uh, from Intervisions called Golden Lady. and But this version is by Kurt Elling. Um. There's a, and of course, I'm the one to find the subgenre <laughs> of something. So a subgenre of jazz is vocalese. Uh, 
I'm not familiar with that. <laughs> uh, you probably find it in more like acapella groups. Um, Take Six might qualify as doing a little vocalese. Okay. Uh, Manhattan Transfer, uh, Bobby McFerrin. Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. I, I can't know what you your, mean now. Your okay. voice is, is the instrument. instrument. Okay. Um, Kurt Elling does a little bit of that as well. Um, not not a whole lot with this song. He actually does the song. Uh, but he does uh, this is from his 2011 album called The Gate. Um, I think it won for something in the jazz category at the Grammys. Um, but yeah, it's been one of my favorite covers for a long time. Uh, so this is Kurt Elling's version of Golden Lady. And we'll be right back. So that is Golden Lady from my Kurt Elling from his album The Gate. And I uh, realize I don't have a playlist for our cover song, so <laughs> uh, you'll get that. You'll see that soon on Spotify. And they have all of our episodes up. Yeah, finally. I saw that. Yeah. So I guess you're back in our good graces, but we still want you to. <laughs> so uh, let's get to the charts here. Um and Ben brought, brought this up. We could talk about it a little bit here. So debuting at number one on the Hot 100 is First Class by Jack Harlow, uh, known for its sample of Glamorous by Fergie. Polo's and, getting some money. <laughs> uh, I was talking about this to somebody uh, earlier today that are are we getting old with these like these samples that, you know, he sampled Glamorous. Uh, Sweetie has a song she sampled. Um, um, well, it's Tom Tom Club, but Genius of Love is also associated with Mariah Carey's um, fantasy. Yeah. 
and then she had another song, or there might have been Lotto. I, I get them confused as far as their songs. Hmm. Uh, there's a song that samples uh, Petey Pablo's Freak Leak. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's if you so this is kind of the way I looked at it because I think Kendra was feeling old as well. I mean, a lot of these songs are around 10 to 20 years old, give or take. And if you think about songs that came out, you know, in the 90s that we were listening to that had samples, the samples were typically from the 70s and the 80s, yeah, which was about, you know, 10 to 20 years prior. So I imagine this is how our parents felt around that time when they're on the radio and you hear Regulator. Yeah. That was maybe 10 years. That was maybe <laughs> 10 years. Like, yo, this just, this is in the 80s. And that song was like, what, 94 maybe? Yeah, 93, 94. Yeah, so it's just like, yeah, totally. That's got to be how they felt. <laughs> I saw this meme today that said, uh, so I heard somebody say, oh, yeah, and, and 30 years ago. And I'm thinking, oh, man, yeah, the 70s. And nope. then I realized it was 1992. And I had to lay down. <laughs> yep, yep. I mean, it, it 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 passed by so quick, you know. So, I I I kind of see it like that. Let's just like you know, you're 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 pulling songs. I know marketing talks about the thirty year cycle, but I think with music, it can be a lot sooner. Yeah, like songs, they'll just you know, they'll sample a song quick. <laughs> um. Also, uh, well, at at number two, uh, debuted at number one last week. We didn't have a sh- uh, an episode, but debuted number one last week, as it was by Harry Styles. Now, I've heard a snippet of this song, and um, is it just because like a lot of people like just love Harry Styles? Because I don't know if the the songs are actually good. Good. I don't know. I listened to. I recently di- rediscovered his first album, which I thought was very good. It had some really good moments on it. Um, and the second album, that had Watermelon, Watermelon Sugar. Yeah, There were a couple of tracks aside from that that I liked. I personally think, uh, and you can consider this however high bar you want, of the One Directioners, he's making the best music, the most consistent. Um, I've heard s- snippets of this one, though. I'm not impressed. But so far, though, I haven't really been impressed with his singles. So I'd be curious to hear some of the deep cuts because I, I don't like Watermelon Sugar. I did not like his single from his first album. Ironically, it was called Sign of the Times. Yeah. <laughs> did not like it. Yeah, so, I didn't like I didn't like the song. And I'm like, yeah, this is your first single. And it's. Pretty depressing yeah. song. Like I read about, like what it was supposed to be about. Yeah, it was supposed to, like it was written from the perspective of a pregnant mother who's she's about to give birth, but she's going to die, so she's trying to leave a Whoa. message for the baby. It was something like that. That is sad as hell. <laughs> like this, your first single as a solo artist, and it's this depressing. The rest of the album is very is very Beatles inspired. Um, ironically, Criminal Records, the record store in Lil Five, they have a TikTok channel where they'll have people suggest albums, and someone suggested that one. I was like, yeah, I'll give it another shot, and I discovered I like I like the deep cuts. I do not like the singles. I don't. <laughs> it's like choose better, dude. Um, but yeah, this one sounds like garbage. Uh, I've heard people comparing it to The Weeknd, 
Blinding Light, Sang is ripping that off. I didn't listen long enough to tell, but. Anyway, uh, number three, Heat Waves by Glass Animals. I learned a fun fact about this song because they're, they're on an episode of Song Exploder. The first person to hear this song was a possibly intoxicated Johnny Depp who stumbled into this, wandered into the studio when he was writing it and recording it, the demo of it. It just sat down at a piano with a glass of wine. And it's like, he's like, who are you? He's like, I'm John. <laughs> he's just like, and then Kiss came and I was like, Johnny Depp, he just wandered down here. We're so sorry. <laughs> uh, number four, uh, Big Energy by Lotto. This is the one that samples Tom Tom Club slash Mariah Oh, I can't Carey. wait. Not I can't wait. I'm a uh, Genius of Love yeah. and Fantasy. <laughs> Picking up. What I say? I can't wait. Sorry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this is the highest it's ever charted because it's been out for a while. Uh, number five, Enemy by Imagine Dragons uh, and J.I.D. Number six, Stay by The Kid Leroy and Justin Bieber. Number seven, Super Gremlin by Kodak Black. Number eight, Woman by Doja Cat. Number nine, Ghost by Justin Bieber. And number 10, That's What I Want by Lil Nas X. Let's look at the Billboard 200. These are the top 10 albums. And number one this week is 7220-7220. I'm not sure how it's being marketed. But Lil Durk has the number one album. Uh, again, it was number two last week. Uh Number two, I, how is this moving up? I, if I remember correctly, the duet that they did is on the Little Dark album. This is ridiculous. So, Morgan Wallen, American Music Awards and Grammys be damned. <laughs> CMAs, whatever. The don't, people are listening. Don't need them. <laughs> <laughs> the people are listening. They're still listening. We were talking about Morgan Wallen a year ago. Broadway Girls is the name of the song that features Morgan Wallen on 7220. Um, at this point, I know you don't do the nicknames much anymore. Is he the people's champ? Like, he's not going anywhere. Like, it's just like, this is the new um, Dark Side of the Moon. Like, it is just not <laughs> like a tree by the water. It not, like, seriously, it like, it's just not going, like, just when you count it out, it's back like Rocky. <laughs> it's not going anywhere. Uh, man, this is, this is going to be 66 weeks it has been on the charts. Yeah, and it's been, it's been in the top 10. Probably the last year. I think that's what's more impressive. Not that it's been on the charts for 66 weeks, that it very rarely leaves the top 10. Yeah. Wow. That's that's difficult. And and it, it ain't winning no awards. None. <laughs> it's, it's, winning the, oh, it's winning the award of public opinion, Greg. It's winning the people. Yeah, the people. <laughs> the people's champ. <laughs> Tell you, man. We have to do an episode about this album. We uh, have to. <laughs> we have to because this is <laughs> shall not be denied <laughs> we 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 have to do an episode about this album it won't be denied it's... 
The I'm, people have spoken. I mean, at a certain point, you have to be impressed, though. Like, I mean, regardless of what you think about what he did, and I mean, it wasn't cool what he did, and I know he he tried to – he kind of checked all the boxes and went a little bit extra. But, like, literally, like, this is – like, when they say they're going to buy something, they buy it, damn it. They're like – <laughs> just turn it on and let it stream, honey. It's, good. <laughs> it's just got to be people, you know, taking their kids to school and just putting this on on the ride. Yeah. And they got to say, and the, the, the drop off line, there's only one drop off line in front of the school. And it's a long line. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to be there for a minute. <laughs> so, hey, man, is that that new Morgan Wallen? Yeah, it is. Like, <laughs> it's dangerous, man. <laughs> and it's a double album, too. So yeah. you can listen to the whole thing. <laughs> on the commute people's champ dude I'm telling you. <laughs> uh number three the Encanto soundtrack number four fear of the dawn by jack white debuting at number four so i'm sure it's he uh just pressed it on vinyl and then bought them all <laughs> <laughs> probably <laughs> number five sour by best new artist olivia rodrigo Number six, Certified Lover Boy by Drake. Number seven, debuting at number seven, Last Ones Left by 42 Doug. And is it ESTG or SG? S- I think it's SG. My brother-in-law's pretty he, – he kind of put me on to him. He's he's not bad. <laughs> right, well, they, they debuted at number seven uh, with that. Planted Her by Doja Cat is number eight. Bible by 5 Yo Foreign debuts at number nine. And Camilla Cabello with Familia. She's back. Debuts at number 10. Um, Last week's number one album was Unlimited Love by the Red Hot Chili Peppers. It dropped to number 11. I saw a video of them um, doing an in-store. I think it was out in L.A. So good for them. I'm glad to see they're back with the number one. All right. And let's look at the Artist 100. And number one this week. He has the number one song. Um... Some people love him. Some people have turned on him, I guess. Louisville's own Jack Harlow. (laughs) (laughs) Um, He was number 44 last week. So this is the thing that, like, I enjoy about the chart is that it can just change at any time. Yeah, and the jumps are huge Yeah, on this one. They're just from Uh, nobody to – we've never been on this till we're number one. (laughs) So Jack Harlow has the, the new song. Um, and people are excited about it or have mixed opinions about it. So it jumps to number one. Number two, he has a new album. He probably bought all the vinyl. Jack White. <laughs> I, I, I'm willing to bet he's got like those special edition vinyls. Like you got a clear one, a smoky one, a, a, a blue one, a, a white one. <laughs> uh, he has only been on this chart for five weeks ever. I wonder if he even knows it exists. <laughs> Uh, number three, Doja Cat. Number four, Ed Sheeran. Number five, Harry Styles. Number six, The Weeknd. Number seven, Lil Baby. Number eight, Olivia Rodrigo. Number nine, Morgan Wallen. And number 10, someone who always hangs around the top 10 of this chart, Luke Combs. Which one of them is the, uh, is the people's champ? Because people seem to yeah, love I, and Luke Yeah, it seemed Combs. like Luke Combs, he was the nicest man in country. Uh, he's the big dude that stands on stage drinking moonshine. Like he's just, <laughs> he's, you know, 
so, but it, Morgan Wallen is coming for the coming for the belt. He's winning them. <laughs> he's winning people over one apology at a time. <laughs> oh God. Uh, so um, that'll do it for our music news. Uh, ben, tell us about your earworm of the week. All right. So I know I don't get a lot of repeats like Greg does, but this is one of my first, one of my few repeats. Um, Emma Rosa. And the band the, is the band. Um, I don't know where they're from. I just know that they make like really cool um, pop rock music because I guess that's what this is nowadays. Uh, name of the song is Cautious. Nice little pop rock synth style ditty. I like it. It's good to work out too. All right. So this is Cautious by Emma Rosa. And we'll be right back. by Imarosa and uh, that is from their album Peach Club from 2019 and you can find that song along with all of our other earworms on the BTTYHT Earworms of the Week playlist on Spotify right now alright so we started this episode with the song um, You Got the Look by Prince and apparently an uncredited Sheena Easton. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, in continuing our Prince Appreciation Month, we will be discussing the album, which it came from, Sign of the Times. And on the, didn't you say today is the anniversary of his passing, right? Yes, today is the sixth anniversary of his passing. Um, we actually, did did I publish the episode? Or maybe we announced we were going to do the when we did our Because 5 about Prince, uh, it came up in my Facebook memories. Oh, really? 
Yeah. So, um, some people consider this Prince's best album, uh, was more complete albums or, or projects because this is a double album and, uh, it was a double album because Warner brothers wouldn't let it be a triple album. Um, <laughs> 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 uh, so uh, these songs were recorded mostly in 1986 and 1987. Uh, this is the this is the ninth album overall. Uh, this was the album after Parade, which was the soundtrack to Under the Cherry Moon, mm. and uh, his first album after Breaking Up the Revolution. Was he didn't have did he have the new power generation yet? Or no? Was that the next uh, album? He I think it was uh I think it was the next album. I think it was the next album he had them. Um Love Sexy then Bat Dance, then Graffiti Bridge. I sometimes forget how much work he has put out. Yeah. Like it's my God. <laughs> it's uh yeah it's a lot okay um, so his first with them was diamonds and pearls okay with the new power generation he had he was work he had them a little bit but not like fully credited mm-hmm. as new power generation on graffiti bridge mm-hmm. he had a it, it was a it was a little but not like official official mm-hmm. but uh diamonds and pearls was the first official one as uh the new power generation um, so, uh, as I said, this was going to be a triple album, um, <laughs> with, Have there uh, ever been any triple albums? I don't know. Let's, let's, let me look that up. Keep going. I'm gonna look that up. <laughs> um, so, uh, the, the, the revolution did do some stuff on, on this album, on Sign of the Times, um, and... He was getting frustrated with the band. Not sure exactly why, but like I said, this was he, he broke them up before this album came out. And then uh, he planned to release a solo three LP project titled Crystal Ball. And the Warner Brothers was like, no, we're no, not a triple album. So it became a two, a, a, a double album instead. Um, uh, one of the songs called train uh he had recorded already but mavis staples who he had been working with at the time uh did the song for her album and then his version came out in 2020 um so if you go through the track list of the out al- the triple album that was going to be called dream factory uh all of these songs have been placed somewhere uh one of the a couple of the songs ended up on the on Eroica, which is a Wendy and Lisa album, and um, Crystal Ball what ended up being a box set with some new material and some older material from this time, mm-hmm. uh, and then a lot of the stuff is from the <laughs> super deluxe or expanded editions of Sign of the Times and 1999. And uh, there's a uh, the the hits the B sides, um, and I already mentioned Aroyka. So 
this was a project that um, was going to be one thing and then it became another, yeah. essentially. So, um, uh, also at the same time, with Dream Factory being going to be a double or triple album, then there was, which we mentioned with Brandon, the Camille project. Yeah. <laughs> um, there is no official Camille album, or or maybe it is there. Uh, they at least as as bonus tracks, but you have heard all of these songs. Um, <laughs> Housequake, Strange Relationship, mm-hmm. and If I Was Your Girlfriend ended up on Side of the Times. But if you hear his vocals, they're pitched up, and yeah. that was supposed to be Camille. So those, those were originally part of the Camille project. <laughs> um, and then uh, Crystal Ball, as you said, was going to be the triple album. It ended up being a box set kind of thing with some remixes and unreleased stuff. But like like Ben said, there is there is so much stuff. There's there are so there's so much material. And just so that just means like who knows how much unreleased stuff is actually out there if yeah. it exists. Considering what we got from them, that's I, I, I have to be impressed. <laughs> Cause I, I think, you know, after the nine after like the early nineties, late eighties, I think people sometimes forgot about Prince until musicology and what was that? Oh, three Oh four around that time. But he was still putting music out just like on his own, you know? So yeah. Musicology was yeah. 2004. Yeah. Um, people consider that his comeback, but he was still making music up until then. And you know, that was the 28th. Album. Yeah. He was still making music. It, it was like, he, I guess he kind of decided to bring himself back into the spotlight, you know, with, with that album. And posthumously, Camille was released. Welcome to America was released. Uh, that's 40 and 41. <laughs> yeah, a lot, of, a lot of material. A lot of material. Um, so with Sign of the Times, um, lots of different styles. Mm-hmm. Uh, crossing genres. Really, He was really genre bending on this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'll ask you this, Ben. Um, what in listening to it recently? What kind of what stuck out to you first? Um, the so Prince has always had, and I I, I I try to go back to when it started. Maybe nineteen ninety nine, maybe Purple Rain. Maybe hear a little bit of because I went back and checked out some of his earlier stuff like Dirty Mind. But, like, he likes to use sounds. Like, he loves, and when I say sounds, like, he loves to, like, maybe in lieu of, like, what, what might be a shaker, he might put a vocal sample. Um, or he might just put, like, a just a, a, a random sound. And I felt like I heard that a lot on this album, um, on the more experimental tracks. And it's hard to explain if you're not hearing it. But that's I I associate late eighties Prince with that type of production. <laughs> if that like I know I can typically narrow down like if it's electro funk, I'm listening to late seventies Prince. 
Um, if it's, you know, a lot of vocal samples and things like that is mid to late eighties, this mid to late eighties Prince. After that, you know, he kind of, I think like around diamonds and pearls, cream, stuff like that. He's using more live instruments. I know, um, get off, which I think is also on diamonds and pearls. Yeah. He's got a lot of vocal samples as well though. Cause he kind of goes back a little bit to that style, um, of the eighties, but like I can typically kind of place an album. So when I saw which album it was, because I hadn't listened to the whole thing, I knew some songs, but I hadn't listened to the whole thing. I was like, oh, there's going to be a lot of quirky vocal samples in place of certain um, percussive instruments. And that's what I, I felt like we got that on like the, 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 not necessarily the first one, but the second, third songs. You get a lot of that. Uh, well, let's play something. What, what's, what, is there a song in particular in which that kind of stuck out uh, to you? Let me see here. What was that? I didn't hear anything. Oh, thought I heard something. Never mind. Housequake is probably something like that. Housequake, which was a Camille song. Yeah. <laughs> Shut up already. Damn. Tell me who in this house know about the quake. I guess I didn't put that that was Camille. I just was like, he just sounds a little funny here, but I guess, yeah, that's Camille. <laughs> Yeah, this was a this was a this was an odd track for me just because of the way the vocals started out. Um, so like rather than kind of using a, a like a straight up kick drum, you kind of hear that sample the um, the um, bass sample yeah. or the synth bass sample. I'm trying to think of I might have picked the track here because I'm not hearing what I was what I was thinking. And I look like an idiot now. <laughs> but no, but regardless right, of, this though, song, this is a very funky jam track, and I do like this one. I thought this might have been a song that he might have thought about giving to Morris Day at the time. Possibly. And then changed his mind. Depending <laughs> on when he wrote it, yeah, definitely. Yeah. But I do, I, I do like, so just going through notes I made about this song, comparing it to the previous song, I, I, I like this one better my first listen through. Because I felt like the drums were tighter. Of course, he's using a drum machine, but the drums just the drums on "Playing the Sunshine" felt very loose. The drums on this, along with like everything else, felt very tight. And I just like when I listen to funk, that's just what I expect, and I like that going with with, with this track. Uh, let's play "Playing the Sunshine." Never realized though that that was Camille though. I just and I know it was mentioned, but I guess when I think of Camille, I just think of like extremely high. Yeah, but yeah. Yeah, this was, eh, it was not really my thing. <laughs> I mean, what's your thoughts on this one? Um, it sounds like something he's done before. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you really don't get the feeling that he, like, kind of repeats himself. Yeah. Um. This is something that could have been on Around the World in a Day, which was that before or after? That was before. The had Raspberry. Yeah. It's something left over from that. Possibly. Um, you know, where that album, I feel like it, it I mean, there's still the, the, I guess what was being called Baroque. Mm-hmm, Baroque pop. pop. Yeah. Uh, something that it probably could have been on there. 
Yeah. And not to say he needed like filler. Uh, I, yeah, I, I, this that's one. Not, that's not what he does. <laughs> yeah, this one. And but I mean, this one kind of felt like a kind of like a filler track to me. Yeah. Um, has a look. I don't know. I felt like the drums had, had a rockabilly beat to them, yeah. sort of. But like it just. Yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't get around this one. I, it's kind of cool at the end. Turns into like a, a like a big jam around like the three forty mark. Um, Let's get to that. Where it just kind of yeah, just kind of goes into like a live show type jam. I imagine they probably had fun recording this part. But I just wasn't crazy about the drums. I will say though, and I think I remember I made this note. I like whenever Prince plays guitar. So, <laughs> but yeah, this part right there is just like very in sync. He says, "Drummer, do your thing," but that's clearly a drum machine. <laughs> yeah, um, he probably played everything on this, and uh, Susanna Melvoin. Yeah, Wendy's That's sister. Wendy's yeah. sister <laughs> did, had did uh, backing vocals on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, anytime Prince plays guitar, I'm I'm here for it. <laughs> and he has some great guitar work on this album. Um, uh, one thing that kind of stuck out to me is like hearing. Actually, we always a lot of people mentioned the ballad of Dorothy Parker. So, yeah, I was hoping you would bring that one up because I'm I was trying to figure out what is this about, who is it about. Like, it's a really cool song. I know he's like, he talks about in a diner, and I feel like the way he writes the lyrics, I feel like I am there in that diner with him. What stuck out to me also is with the the sound of it, mm-hmm. I'm like, this is, this is Vaporwave. This is, this is where va- Vaporwave was born. I don't think, I'm, what's Vaporwave? <laughs> um, uh, it's hard to... And trying to define it. Um, See if they can tell me any bands that are vaporwave. Or maybe, uh, yeah, a, a micro genre of electronic music. There's like kind of a visual style. Mm-hmm. And I guess someone like Toro Imoi. Okay, I know who that is. Okay. Kind of like that. Okay, I can hear, yeah. I, I got what you mean. Um, or uh, maybe Washed Out, maybe Tame Impala. I do like Tame Impala. <laughs> uh, or some other. But, yeah, well, you know what I'm getting at. Yeah, I got you. So it's kind of, I think it's um, using, a, probably more associated more with house music mm-hmm. now, but... Yeah, I just got that feel from hearing this song for the first time. Yeah, I, d- I think this was one of the stronger songs on the album. Um, drums are a little loose, but that's that's okay. It's a nice song. I like it. Yeah. I don't know why at some point I thought that he was singing about like Dorothy from The Wizard of Oz. <laughs> but then I looked at the lyrics. I was like, no, that's not even close. Like, I thought I saw, heard something about like a lion or something. Oh, but wait. I just saw something that said there's a... He was... Uh, he, 
he referenced Joni Mitchell a little bit. Or yeah, referenced he referenced her, her in the um, yeah. first verse, I believe. Um, yeah, so that's that's kind of what I what I got for got from it um, is that it reminded me of like those kind like the artists I mentioned mm-hmm. before, like. It probably came from like hearing this kind of song, mm-hmm. and because it's always like with the song, especially like with. I can't describe it. There's this sound I hear, a percussive sound I hear in Prince songs, mm-hmm. to where we're, I hear it in other songs. It just remind like they got that from him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, well, it's, I think it's probably some of his work with the with the, the Lynn drum set that he used. Yeah, that was. You know, I think it was fairly popular throughout the '80s, and probably next. You know, only rivaled by the 808. Um, you'll probably hear some of those, like some of those same drum beats used, but because Prince was so big and is known as such a good programmer of drums, just takes you to that, takes you to Prince. Yeah. Um. So yeah, but the songs that. <laughs> what's interesting is that with some some of his albums you have the the single and the b-side the b-side's mm-hmm. not on the album but that is like that ends up being a popular song mm-hmm. like um i was you got the look was that a b-side no it wasn't housequake was the b-side to you got the look okay um but i i i but sometimes it can happen like I think Erotic City was a B side to something on Purple Rain. And so was like Seventeen Days. Mm-hmm. It was a B side. They weren't like actually album, album tracks. tracks. Um But one thing one song that, you know, we started with You Got the Look. Mm-hmm. That was one of the I feel like that was one of the first Prince songs I remember hearing. Really? Um because it 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 was uh, kind of loud. Mm-hmm. The, it's it's a rock song, mm-hmm. and um, I don't know. It just it just like it's one of those things like you hear a song and just kind of just sticks with you. Yeah. When you if you heard it as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember the the video where the it's like a I don't know if it was a live concert or not, but um, him and, and Sheena Easton like I didn't know who Sheena Easton was. I thought the band was called Prince. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but that was one of the first songs I, I remember hearing, and um, yeah, it, it's just stuck with me. I don't I don't I can't really explain why, but it's mm-hmm. just one of those things. Yeah, I don't think that I I. I don't know when I first heard it, but I know I hadn't heard it in a long time. But when I heard it again, yeah, I instantly remembered it. <laughs> um, I, well, Sheena, Sheena Easton did the background vocals on this, right? Yeah. Okay. Because she raps on another song. <laughs> oh, and this was... And it's not a bad rap. <laughs> uh, well, it does have the, the, the Camille vocal settings, mm-hmm. but it wasn't intended for the Camille album. Oh, okay. What you got the look? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's and so that's one of the songs where it was very obvious um the Camille personality, the higher pitch vocals and everything. Um 
another another song which I didn't know it was his song for a while. Uh, I heard the TLC version was if, if I, I was, was your girlfriend. girlfriend. I forgot they did cover that. Uh, what album yeah. was that on? That That's crazy sexy cool. Yeah, it's on crazy sexy okay. cool. Um, for a long time, I didn't. I was misinterpreting this song for a very long time. I was. I. I. I kept hearing it wrong, basically. Um. <laughs> uh, because it's like, wait, why? Why is he? Why is he saying that? Why is he saying if I was your girl? What is so that? So then mean? I think I'm still misinterpreting <laughs> it. So fill me in here. Because I didn't quite understand. I was like, it seems like, is he trying to be a girlfriend? Is he trying to be a friend? What is he trying to do? Well, it, I think it was. Uh, <laughs> if he were the. If he were the woman's friend, mm-hmm. like her girlfriend, as in her friend. Yeah. Oh. Uh, okay, okay, okay. Would that. Would. Uh, would they be closer? Gotcha. Okay, I see what you mean. That makes sense. But for the lo- for longest time, I, I I just kept I was just hearing it wrong because I was like, wait, I don't I don't understand what he. I, don't I didn't. Get it. I thought maybe it was but, like if I were a girl. Thinking yeah. about that song, but okay, I got you. It's kind of like that, but if if it's like a man like talking to a woman, mm-hmm. if I was your friend, would you like? Is it a different relationship than if I was your man? That kind of thing. Gotcha. Uh, he wrote this song because he was jealous about the bond between Susanna Melvoin and her sister Wendy. <laughs> he was jealous of their relationship. They're twins. What'd you expect? <laughs> That's funny. Um. So yeah, I see that. Yeah, the song is from a male perspective to a woman. Wherein Prince explores the possibilities of a more intimate relationship, either his lover's platonic girlfriend, and ask if he would, if she would open up to him more, if he was a female friend rather than her actual boyfriend. Okay, that makes sense. So that, so with TLC doing it, it makes less sense. Maybe they should have been like, if I was your boyfriend. Yeah. But dudes don't call their friends boyfriend, so I don't know. I. It was just a cool song to cover. Yeah. They're like, oh, Prince going to let us do a song. <laughs> Not chase you in his car like he chased uh, Sinead O'Connor. Sinead O'Connor. She had to sneak out of his house. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. Uh, it's also been covered by The Eels uh, and B. Slade. The Eels? The Eels. What? I didn't. Okay. Um. B. Slade, formerly known as Tone. Okay, I know that. I remember them. Yeah, that's no, wild. The gospel artist. Who am I thinking of then? Tone. I might be thinking of some. I might be thinking of someone else. Maybe Tonex. Yeah. Well, it's spelled with an X. T O N E X. Tone. Oh, okay. I thought they were a group. No, this is one guy. Okay. I don't know why. He's that now was known group. as B. Slade. Does he do secular music now? If he's doing this, clearly he's doing uh, secular music. Kinda, I would say kinda. Is the type of music they wouldn't let him come back for? But they still let him like stand outside in the yard. Oh, okay, <laughs> that kind of thing. 
so yeah, I uh call you in that song. And um another song that has been covered famously, question mark. Uh I can never take the place of your man. One uh, of my favorite tracks from this album. Yeah, the Jordan Knight version was the first one I heard. Yeah, I heard he that one first. It. And I heard like, oh, that's a it's a Prince cover. And then when I heard the Prince song, Not the first Prince original, like, why'd he slow it down? Not even like it's completely different. <laughs> like he R and B slow jams it and this is an upbeat song with one of the better solos of his career, I think, guitar solos. Like I said, I'm I'm all here for Prince as a guitar player when he's doing pop rock or rock music. Um the the great riff, the the lick that he has coming in. Like I love that. It was just so funny to hear it on the Jordan Knight song because he slowed it down and it was synth. <laughs> it was just so different. But like, yeah, I don't I don't know, maybe they were like, hey man, you can't have two upbeat singles. You know, because the Robin Thick track that that he did, um, give it to you, was kind of upbeat. I like, can't have two in a row, man. You gotta have the slow jam. So, who knows? But yeah, this song is badass. Um, yeah, recorded as a ballad, uh, produced by Robin Thicke. The cover. Oh, he produced that one too. Yeah, Robin Thicke was making money, boy. He got that Jordan Knight res- residuals, <laughs> and he still couldn't keep Paula Patton. Man, he cheated on her, right? Yes, idiot. <laughs> Not according uh, to Abe, though, because, you know. Because that's how she makes chicken. Yeah, so. <laughs> that's Ooh. the Canadian way. Oh, Paula Patton Canadian? I didn't, didn't she? I didn't know that. I mean, I'm not downing you. I just didn't know what she was. Well, well, wait, hold on. The saying Robin Thicke is American. I know his. I know Alan Thicke is Canadian. Okay, whatever. Yeah, Paula Patton, she's from L.A. Or were you talking about Robin Thicke being Canadian? I thought he was Canadian because Alan Thicke, Thicke is, is Canadian. Canadian. Yeah, but he was born in America, so yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah, he's like he, he he ain't go back. Um, <laughs> but no, this is this is probably one of my favorite songs from the album, and one of the songs I was most familiar with before listening. They're covers by the Goo Goo Dolls. Uh, yeah, it's it's like a upbeat punk. Rock, because they used to be like hardcore punk. So yeah. Uh, I think it's pronounced Sig Sig Punk, Sig 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 Sputnik, uh, new wave band uh, in the '80s. The Eels, again. They must have done a Prince cover something. <laughs> uh, My Morning Jacket, and The Replacements. Okay, that makes sense because uh, I wonder who did theirs first. Because Goo Goo Dolls, um, John Resnick was heavily influenced by The Replacements. Ah, yeah. He just never got the credit he deserved, you know? It was like, he played so many instruments, you forget, like, what he's great at. I guess so. Which could be all the instruments, but... (laughs) Yeah. Um... So yeah, uh, now um, another song which I had I had not heard this song, but I heard it referenced in the movie Brown Sugar, is "Adore," 
which uh, I guess should be on everyone's slow jam mixtape playlist. So this was another one too that as soon as I heard, it, I was like, I know that song. <laughs> like this is, I just wrote classic. Like this is just one of those like you just know it. And it's, I mean, I, like I can't think of any other other way to describe it. It's got like you know. Like the sitar or whatever that is, is that a sitar in there? Kind of that sitar sounding instrument and um, this was side four. Yeah, and I, I definitely agree. It so here they say it, it um, harks back to the stylistics. Yeah, yeah. Um, Lisa, Wendy and Lisa. I think it's the Fairlight Sitar. So it was yeah. a synthesizer. But yeah, it just sounds just sounds good. Like this is yeah. Yeah. It's and it's one of the songs that I felt that aged very well, you know? Yeah. In terms of and maybe that's just because it has that replayability, but I didn't realize this came out in the eighties. I would have thought this was like a nineties Prince track, but this yeah, it still sounds yeah, good. I, I thought it when I heard it referenced in the movie. I thought it was, oh, this came out in the 90s. Yeah. No, this, I didn't know it was on this album <laughs> for a long time. Um, this was not a single, of course. The singles were Sign of the Times, If I Was Your Girlfriend, You Got the Look, and I Can Never Take the Place of Your Man. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, listening this isn't back something, to this. This isn't something that he stretched out over time. You know how, like, some people will... Like we talked about with Lionel Richie, mm -hmm. the first single and the last single were like a year and a half apart. Mm -hmm. um, no, these were all released in a matter of eight months. Because well, he's putting <laughs> out, so I mean, next album's 1989. So, or 1988, excuse yeah, me. Love so he's, sexy. he's putting out content so quickly. It comes out six months after the last single. Yeah. <laughs> It's like he lived in the studio. He lived in Paisley Park. Well, he did, but he lived in Paisley Park. <laughs> he's just like constantly just writing and making music. At the same time, he's also writing movies. I was going to ask you if we should talk about Graffiti Bridge, but I feel like we would just be making jokes. <laughs> I've not seen and it. We're so. not actually appreciating it. <laughs> uh, Every, he can't be good at everything. <laughs> you know. He wrote and directed it. He wrote and directed Under the Cherry Moon as well. Um, I mean, maybe if he would have kept doing it, because, I mean, it's yeah. it's akin to Michael Jordan, you know, is too talented to be a good owner and, and talent evaluator. But eventually, you know, he just kept failing and eventually <laughs> failed up and got, you know, got good or something. So maybe Prince would have eventually failed up. You don't know. So, uh, like I said before we started, that the Jazz have checked out. Uh -huh. They're about to lose. <laughs> so I think this would be funny if um, because with the Trey Luca comparison this is basketball by the way people with the Trey Luca comparison you know they're always like you know like who won the trade who won the trade and people are starting to shift it to like maybe Atlanta won the trade because Trey Young has playoff wins and he made it to the Eastern Conference Finals and I think it would be so funny if the first playoff series the Mavs win Luca doesn't Luka even play in it <laughs> Like how does what do you say then? It's like the Mavs have won one with Luca, but he didn't play. Like, <laughs> sorry guys, sorry guys, go Hawks. Um, <laughs> um, so yeah, so all, so 
as we continue to cover this album. Um, another song that I was not familiar with that became one of my favorites is The Cross. Um, that's a heavy song, <laughs> both in subject matter. So it's, a, it's a religious song, but it's one of those songs that just builds. Like it starts out, you know, almost kind of like I, I said, like a grunge type track and just builds and almost sounds out of place on the album. Like it's I mean, like he's got some he's got a couple of rock tunes, but like this is just like, I don't know, man, like maybe because I know like what in the 80s and 90s, Neil Young was he was he had picked up an electric guitar. Maybe it's that type of song. I don't know. But like. It was the one that just kind of threw me off as I'm, as I'm listening to the album. But it became one of my favorite songs just because of how it just builds and builds until the end. It's just an all out, you know, doesn't build in tempo, just builds in feel and sound and adding instruments. And I just I love this song. It's so good. Yeah. Oof. Such a good song. Uh, this would be. 14 or 15. I think it's just... What, the track number? Yeah. It's 14. Okay. So it's this is this is all him on this track. Yeah, I, I imagine so. I mean... Yeah. And like, I guess I never realized other than that, that refrain, the cross, no real chorus. Like, it's just, you know... But it's such a good song. Like it's it's still engaging. I don't know. It's I guess it's kind of hard to describe other than I just love the build and the fact that it was kind of unexpected to me. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of uh, some other some other acts during the '80s that kind of had this sound. Um, uh, was the name of that band it wasn't called yeah i'm trying to think of you know at this time you said who the alarm okay uh or um kind of big country maybe even uh uh the church Mm-hmm. Very simple names in the 80s <laughs> for bands. <laughs> but um, uh, having having that sound and and, and playing the actual uh, and it's you know real instrumentation mm-hmm. in lieu of all the synths and yeah. keyboards and all the electronic. Not a lot of that on here. Yeah. None of that really. <laughs> um has a little bit of a grunge feel yeah. at this point yeah I wish because there's not a lot out on this song out there and I would be curious to know what people who were you know early propagators of of grunge thought about like I think of bands that inspired the not the Nirvana that inspired Nirvana like I think about you know the Melvins I don't know if they were active around this time but like what was their opinion on a song like this or what were they doing? Cause I don't know. I don't, I'm not a, you know, a, a, a scholar of grunge. I can tell you the, some of the highlights, but like, you know, in terms of its history and where it came from, I'm not, I'm not an expert there, 
But I'd be curious to know what was going on around that time in terms of that type of music. Um, trying to see if there was something on it in the description here. No, but it's one of those. This is definitely one of those deep cut kind of songs mm-hmm. uh, that I think I don't know. It should it should get uh, some more attention because I I I, I hear like in hearing like certain bands or how it could have been influential mm-hmm. in different ways. Um, yeah, and yeah, I'm I'm hearing I'm hearing the influences and uh, like how what bands could have been influenced by that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I I uh, I probably only heard that song once before before now. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, I guess the one song that we should get to before we end this discussion is the first track of the album. Oh, the title track. <laughs> <laughs> the title track, Sign of the Times. Um, <laughs> I heard this song after, okay, we were watching Living Color or The Proud Family. Uh, Tommy Davidson um, was a stand-up comic once upon a time. Well, he actually still is. He's still touring. Oh, he does. I, guess, I didn't know yeah. that. Um, but in one of his specials, like when HBO or Showtime was just pumping them out mm-hmm. in the in the early 90s, <laughs> he uh, he made up this song kind of, I don't know if it was on the spot, but it was about, like, I think he was talking about, like, how Prince doesn't do normal things. <laughs> <laughs> like, what if, like, Sign of the Times was about um, him going to McDonald's? <laughs> I'm going to see if I can find that clip. I'm guessing he changed the lyrics. Yeah. To Okay. <laughs> That sounds delicious, but that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it's underrated um, how uh, the subject matter of the song. Mm-hmm. I think, I don't know if it got the attention it should have gotten uh, because of, oh, well, it's Prince, but, you know, he's talking about... Uh, he's talking about AIDS mm-hmm. um, and sharing needles yeah. um, and about kids getting into gangs doing drugs uh, this is the crack epidemic so and those first few bars it's pretty heavy yeah, yeah. you know um Smokey Robinson should have taken note. <laughs> this is much better way to address these issues. Gang banging. Let me stop. Well, like I told you, the the issue with Smokey Robinson is that he did the he he wrote the song like he's written all of his songs going back seventy years, almost. Oh, I found it. <laughs> so yeah. This is uh, if Prince. Check it out, check it out, check it out. <clears throat> Prince at McDonald's. Prince at McDonald's. Oh, God. Just the other day, I was walking down the street, feeling kind of tired and high. 
To McDonald's, cause I was kinda hungry, got a burger and some fries. <laughs> lady gave me the bag, looked me in the face, and hit me with a nice smile. I got around the corner, I looked in my bag. She forgot my motherfucking fries. <laughs> 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 um so yeah, that's what that's what uh <laughs> this so reminds me of that because I'd heard that first. Um, and interesting to start the you start the album with this. Yeah. And you know, it's it's one that's an album that's highly anticipated. You know, uh, this is the like I said, the one after after parade. Um which at least, like, this is the third album after Purple Rain, right? Mm-hmm. So, Around the World in the Day, okay, people know Raspberry Beret and Pop Life, yeah. right? Parade, they know Kiss, which kind of, like, uh, kind of relaunched him as a superstar, in a way. I, I can see like. that, yeah. Um... That was really the main. That's really the main song people know. What from Parade? From Parade. Oh. No, yeah, from Parade. And then the, I mean, maybe the album was good, but the the movie was not. <laughs> That's the thing. And um, then he comes with this, and what you, you have the the memorable songs that people could dance to or whatever, mm-hmm. but. Probably his most one of his most important songs is this. Yeah, uh, and it starts the album. Uh, there was one line I was just reading that um, Susan Rogers recalled the speed of Prince's creative process, saying the songs came out like a sneeze. Oh wow! <laughs> one song after the next, um, and then the sound desk, which was new. Uh, during the recording of the ballad of Dorothy Parker, it resulted in a sound matching the underwater dream state of the song. That's where I thought of the the vapor wave thing. Yeah. Um, Susan Rogers is his his, his engineer okay. uh, for the art, um, and she he would ask her to leave the room when he was recording vocals. <laughs> I had heard that. <laughs> That he was that he was very private with his vocals. Uh, he would record the vocals in the control room of the studio, mm-hmm. which is like where I am, rather than in the booth. Yeah, because he's got if he's you would be if he's got an engineer for himself. Like if if he tells if he wants the engineer gone, he's got to be able to you know stop and start. So I'm not surprised. Uh, he was at, he was known for doing that. She would she said we'd get the track halfway or three quarters of the way there then set him up with a microphone in the control room he'd have certain tracks on the multi-track that he would use and do the vocal completely alone I think that was the only way he could really get the performance mm. um, yeah I don't think I've recorded with someone in a long time and I, I do wonder now since I'm so yeah. used to recording my own vocals how would I react to that would I be able to get the same performance so I can I can definitely relate there I can I feel him there So, yeah, um, 
let's uh, see if there were. Well, of course, with well with the uh, as far as how it charted, um, it peaked at number six in 1987. Uh, after his death, it came back to the charts at number 20. And uh, of course, it is it went platinum, but just once, I guess you would say. <laughs> uh, like I said, it is one of his more critically critically acclaimed albums. I'm yeah. Trying to find the. Uh... I say, according to critics, they think it's. I mean, a lot of people seem to think it's his best, his best album. Yeah. Um, what what do you think? I mean, I, there's so much. To yeah, there's to. there's a lot. Yeah, uh, but it's hard to just say. Yeah, it's his best. I mean, in terms of what I've listened to of him, this probably has the most amount of songs I can I can get with. Um, I'm because I try to think back through his cat his catalog, and it's not often that he's socially conscious. Not that I can think of, at least. Um. And this was him being socially conscious. I thought it was it's a good song. Um, he didn't do that a lot on the album, and I'm not claiming to be a, a Prince expert by any means, but I don't know. I feel like this is I one of the reasons I can kind of rock with this album and Prince in general is just how easily he can kind of shift into different genres and just be comfortable. Now, uh, this does have some nominations. Well, it won for... No, wait, that's a different album. Okay, <laughs> it was nominated for Album of the Year, mm-hmm. uh, also nominated for Best R&B Performance by Duo or Group with Vocals for You Got the Look and Best R&B Song. That is interesting. Well, for You Got the Look. For You Got the Look. <laughs> well, I mean, it's got a little bit of R&B to it. Also, then again, you know, if you're a black No, because he's black. It's because he's but... black. <laughs> it's because he's black. It's got some, it's like uh, electronic rock funk you know, but yeah, I, black. I agree. <laughs> so, uh, like I said, it was nominated for Album of the Year. Um, it lost to The Joshua Tree. Yeah. Uh, also nominated Whitney by Whitney Houston. That was her second album. Bad, Michael Jackson. And Trio, which was Dolly Parton, Linda Ronstadt, and Emmy Lou Harris. Mm-hmm. And, and the Joshua Tree run that what was on the Joshua Tree that had um, uh, the, the streets uh, have no name. Okay, with or without you. Okay, that's a classic record. Okay, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Yeah, uh, and this is this shows how far we we have come as far as music production, right? So, we are by John Batiste won album of the year. Mm-hmm. I don't know when this rule changed where uh, the uh, it goes to the primary artist, mm-hmm. all the producers, the engineers, the songwriters, the featured artists. Yeah, that, that so like a lot of people. It's mm-hmm. probably like 20 people or more that got a Grammy for that album yeah with uh with prince 
It is credited as Prince, the artist, and producer, Prince. <laughs> <laughs> the end. <laughs> um, or, but like with, with Joshua Tree, you too, I mean, they're the artists, so yes. Yeah. And then, but Brian the producers, Eno. they have two producers. Yeah. Um, so I just noticed that, like, we've, we've come a long way from from that. Uh, well, I mean, Prince is an artist, though. I mean, not to sound like one of those people, but, like, Prince don't need a whole lot of people. Like, he'll have people in. Like, there is a, you know, there's a list of people who guested on the album. But, like, they didn't have to be there. <laughs> like, he could have done this all on his own. Um, For best R&B song, it lost to... Lean on me, Club Nouveau's version, but that since it was best R&B aged. song, it was songwriter award. Bill Withers <laughs> gets the that award. is aged so poorly. Uh, yeah, that uh, is aged. I still remember a, a group who came to do a presentation in my elementary school singing that song, that version of that song. Oh God. Uh, also oh. nominated was Casanova by Levert. Casanova, oh, man. Which was written by Reggie Calloway of the group Calloway, which had the song I Want to Be Rich. Oh, what? <laughs> he wrote Casanova. Me and Romeo ain't never been friends. <laughs> oh, uh, that's a great line. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Stevie Wonder for the song Skeletons. And... Jimmy George and Lou Pardini wrote the song Just to See Her by Smokey Robinson. Just to see her again. Oh, man. Okay. And okay. Uh, best performance by doer or group. Let's look at that real quick. Um, it lost to I Knew You Were Waiting for Me by Aretha Franklin and George George Michael. Michael. <laughs> also nominated Lean on Me. Two late great legends. Casanova, Rock Steady by The Whispers. That is a that's a bop. Oh man. Uh. So yeah, it was it was nominated. For Casanova those. seems like it was everywhere that year, man. <laughs> Casanova. Uh. Um. So yeah, anything else you'd like to add about this album? Um. I will say just one thing. We don't have to play the song. We can actually play it out if you want. But um, I will say after listening to this, my favorite song, and it would be the poppiest track is Strange Relationship. That, <laughs> that's probably my favorite song from the album after listening. Um, it, it's just got a nice little um, synth bass and everything. It's just it's a fun song. Four on the Floor bass. I love it. All right. So that will do it for our discussion on... Um, sign of the times and get to my earworm of the week so we can get out of here because it's past midnight um, <laughs> Ben has a curfew just kidding I'm, I'm going to get in trouble <laughs> um, but where are we so listening to my Sophistapop playlist on my commute to work. Um, what in the... Okay, I'm having a hard time finding it, so I'm trying to uh, fill time here. Uh, so, this song that I... Um, let's see if it'll come up. 
this way now. There we go. Okay, so this song um, came up on like the the recommended songs for the playlist. Mm, I like and, when they do that. Uh, little history on this on the on the artist. It's a duo called Wax, and one of the guys, Andrew Gold, wrote the theme song. Oh, Andrew Gold, I like him. To the Golden Girls. Yeah. Thank you for being a friend. He wrote that. Lonely Boy. And Lonely Boy, of oh, course. Oh, I thought that was the song. I was like, oh, snap. Oh, snap. No, it's not Lonely Boy. Yeah, I like Andrew Gold. He's good. Um, so this this was this is a song from like the 80s. Uh, and I <laughs> I was looking for a music video. I found their music video. Mm-hmm. And then I saw their, they performed on Top of the Pops. <laughs> and it was very weird because on Top of the Pops, for anybody who's watched, they pantomime everything yeah. and lip sync. So it's very weird when it's just him playing the keyboards <laughs> and the other guy playing the guitar. There's no drummer. But there's drums. <laughs> there's drums. <laughs> there, uh, and there's a, there is a sax solo. Mm-hmm. But you don't see the saxophone player until the part of the sax solo oh, came out of nowhere. It's like I was watching. Um, uh, I had heard something, and it reminded me of the song "Maniac" by Michael Cimbello. It's a great song. And I remember seeing. Uh, I I found his. He performed the song on American Bandstand, mm-hmm. and he had this like clear keyboard. Yeah. <laughs> um Let's see if we can find that. <laughs> and well, the thing that was that stuck out to me though is he's wearing a tank top and I know like, you know, it wasn't a big deal for to, you know, see a guy like see the the hairy chest mm-hmm. a little bit, but it was also on his shoulders. Like <laughs> the same almost the same amount of hair on his shoulders and arms. <laughs> and he's wearing this tank top. This- uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I I went into a rabbit hole of looking at uh, performances on Top of the Pops and, and American Bandstand. But Wax, which is uh, Andrew Gold, is half of it. I can't remember the other guy's name. I'm trying to remember what band he came from. Uh, Graham Goldman was in. Was he in Ten CC? Graham Goldman. Yeah. He was in 10CC. Uh, I'm Not In Love. Yeah, that's a good song. Yeah. So he was in that band. Um, but they uh, they formed Wax. And this song is called Build a Bridge to Your Heart. Um, I don't think they were going to have a song bigger than this. So, <laughs> uh, it, was, it was a hit in America. It was their one hit in America, I think. So this is Build a Bridge to Your Heart. Bridge to Your Heart by Wax. We'll be right back.
So that is Bridge to Your Heart by Wax. I like Andrew Goldman. <laughs> uh, you can find that song. It's from their album American English, even though they're they're British. But okay, I don't know he was British. Yeah, I don't like him no more. <laughs> 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 um, you can find that on our BTT YHT Earworms of the Week playlist right now. Um, we have 341 songs. Uh, Big Day, Daydream by Big Story is not available. Yeah, it's not coming back. And of course, Joni Mitchell. Uh, there was someone I saw who did a cover of A Case of You, and I can't remember who it was. Yeah, it's probably the guy who did the who did the video for Ryan Reynolds. Um. No, no, it wasn't Ryan Reynolds. Catherine O'Hara. Mm. Yeah. He, it was that's the one I I really I liked that I liked hers too I like both of them, Prince's isn't bad either but um, hers just has that that you know, she just has such a unique style of guitar playing. It's just you know you don't hear a lot of singer songwriters doing that. It's just so unique that you can't beat it. And I'm so sad, um, because she's probably on Apple Music, isn't she? I don't know because I think they're I, bra- I think they're bragging about it that she was there. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, well, that'll bring us to the end of this program. Um, thank you all for listening. God Appreciate bless you. It. Good night. We're gonna end it with strange relationship. Yeah, as Ben had mentioned before. Uh, thank you all for listening, and we'll talk to you very very soon. Peace. Peace. But I seem to get a kick out of doing your cold Oh, what the hell, you're always surrendered What's this strange relationship that we hold on to? Baby, I just can't stand to see you happy More than that, I hate to see you sad Honey, if you love me, I just might